Well, we are on the tail end of our series through the book of James called Check Yourself. Last week we talked about greed and just the idea that greed is always unsatisfied, just the nature of greed and so how it's um, pushing us to desire, over-desire good things and to desire bad things and the things we don't need. Uh, I said that greed hoards what doesn't last. It's this pursuit of, like in Ecclesiastes, this pursuit of the wind, these things that won't be eternal, <clears throat> and yet our hearts desire them. And we said that greed glorifies self. Uh, greed is really all about what's in it for me and not worrying about anyone else and how that's very unchristlike to just worry about ourselves and not others. <clears throat> and then closed with greed's antidote is grace. The more we understand God's grace towards us, the grace that we've been shown, the more generous we will be in showing others grace and not, um, that's materially or, you know, emotionally, whatever it might be, uh, we will extend grace to others um, and be more generous if we understand the grace that has been shown us. This morning we're talking about impatience, impatience, but we're going to focus on the positive, so we'll be looking at patience on the positive side. Um, who needs more patience, right? I think a lot of us do. Um, I remember uh, the comedian Brian Regan had a joke about Pop-Tarts that have microwave instructions on the package. And he was just like, who is in that much of a hurry that you got to microwave your Pop-Tarts? Because the instructions are like, microwave for three seconds or something like that, uh, and then they'll be ready. Uh, and he was made a really funny bit about who's in so much of a hurry that they can't wait to toast a Pop-Tart. They have to microwave their Pop-Tarts. So just this idea of we, we, we're always in a rush, we're always thinking something's in the way of my agenda, uh, and just this impatience that creeps into our lives. Um, what do we know about what the Bible says about patience? Patience is a virtue, right? Well, maybe so, but that's not what it says in the Bible. Um, well, that line's not in the Bible. That line is from a 14th century poem. Um, the Bible does say that patience is the fruit of the Spirit. It says that in Galatians 5. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13 that love is patient. And the principle of patience is evident in many other areas, like James, that refer to either us waiting on the Lord or even the Lord's patience towards us in His grace and in His mercy. Uh, this series is about checking ourselves in the mirror of God's Word, and so we're going to look at James and see what it says about patience and the patience we need in our lives. James uh, chapter 5, and I'm just going to read 7 through 11. It says, Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful." So not the harsh language we saw like last week in calling out the greedy, but still a direct command here to be patient multiple times, to be patient. 
Uh, and it's a call to patience until Jesus comes back. It's not a, uh, okay, I've been patient for five minutes, now what kind of patience? It's a lifetime of patience. It's a call to until Jesus comes back, right? So whichever comes first, whether I go to see him or he comes back to see me. Um, I think we will see that all patience is faith in God's promises. Um, it's trusting that God is faithful and will keep the promises he's made. That's what all patience is. But the first thing I want to point out about patience here is that patience trusts in God's punctuality. Patience trusts in God's punctuality. Uh, maybe kind of a too common word to associate with God or too human of a word to associate with God, um, but it just refers to the timing being on time, right? Punctuality is being on time. Uh, have you ever heard that God is never late? He's never early. He's always right on time. Uh, if everything about him is perfect, then his timing is perfect as well. Scripture contains several references to at the right time or at the appointed time. This is the perfect punctuality of God because nothing happens that doesn't, he doesn't cause or allow and his ways are perfect. So we can disagree with his timing all we want. Uh, but everything that God does happens at the perfect time because his will is perfect. James uses the idea of a farmer waiting for his precious fruit with patience. It's a picture that tells us we need to realize what is in our power to do and to focus on those things. Farmers can't control the rain. They just wait for the rain. They can't get in the ground and make the seed grow. They plant it and they wait. They only can do the work that they're called to do and they trust the Lord for the rest. We're going to see this idea of the farmer throughout the message this morning, but this idea of waiting and doing what only we can do in the meantime instead of just staring at the ground, waiting for something to grow. I always think that weather is a great reminder of God's sovereignty. Um, if we need any more reminders that we're not in control of things, just consider the weather. We can't change it. We can't do anything about it. Uh, even the experts only guess at what it's going to do um, and what the patterns are. But when it comes to being patient with God's timing, like the farmer, we can only work with what we've been called to do, what we know God has told us. The farmer knows that the end result is supposed to be fruit, right? And so the farmer knows that what they're supposed to do is plant and wait for rain. And then there's other things to do in the meantime. So think about it this way for the Christian life. We know what God has promised and how God has called us to live. So we keep life between these two sidelines of God's promise and what God has called us to. And everything in between is just this faithfulness of walking forward with God, trusting that he will keep his promise and trusting that we are honoring him by the faithful living. Are we often tempted to hijack the timeline of God if we don't think he's working quickly enough or responding in the way that we think he should? Yes, we are often tempted to. That's why James is saying, be patient. And my other writers in Scripture say, be patient. When we're tempted to change the timeline or hijack the timeline, this is where we get ourselves into trouble. Consider Abraham and Sarah in Genesis 16, not waiting on God's perfect timing to bless them with a child of their own. They tried to hijack the timeline, but God had to remind them, that he would make good on his promise, even if it wasn't in the time frame that they thought it should have been. If we really believe God for his promises, then we need to trust God for his timing in delivering on those promises. 
And we don't need to try and force the issue or build in things that God has not promised. This is when things get messy and broken. When uh, I was a kid, I went through several phases of wanting to get an aquarium and get it set up and with this beautiful fish community and all these kinds of things. And these phases lasted varying amounts of time and to varying degrees of success. Um, but I remember one time I had taken the heater out because um, I either thought I had to to clean the aquarium or clean the heater. I don't know what I was doing. Or maybe I was just playing with the heater. And it was very hot, even after I had just unplugged it. It was remaining hot. And I thought, I need this to cool down quickly. And so my bright idea was to go put it in a tray of ice in the freezer. Uh, and to my horror and dismay, it shattered as soon as the hot glass heater hit the ice. Uh, and no mention to the fact that I didn't consider how unsanitary it might be to put an aquarium heater in our tray of ice cubes. But things quickly got messy and broken because I was trying to speed up a process that needed just time to take and wait on. Abraham and Sarah, on a much grander scale, obviously, created a lot of mess and brokenness with their impatience. Was it brokenness that God could redeem? Absolutely. He redeems and he shows grace toward our mistakes. But did their plan trust in God's timing to fulfill his promises? No. They got impatient. So even when things delay our desired timeline, we need to remember that God's timing is perfect. Our faith in his timing is expressed in our patience. Again, like the farmer who plants and gets back to work. They don't sit and stare at the ground hoping for something to sprout. They plant and trust that the fruit will show up. And in the meantime, they get busy doing the things they know that they're supposed to do. If we can trust in God's punctuality or his timing, then the next thing we need to trust in is his protection as we wait on his timing. Point number two, patience trusts in God's protection. <clears throat> James tells us in chapter 5, verse 8, to be patient and to establish our hearts. Some translations say stand firm instead of establish your hearts. It's the idea of facing the beatdown of life with strength and confidence in God's protection. And his protection is tied to his perfect timing, right? So anything that God has promised will be fulfilled, and anything short of that cannot be thwarted, right? We can't think, oh no, God has promised this, but I see this threat. So this threat might be a, a real threat to God's promise. No, it's not. And so that's why James says, if this is what God has promised, then he will fulfill that. So stand firm, be established, establish your hearts in the promises of God. We know it'll come true. And so we trust God to protect us of anything short of that promise. If we think something might keep us from the promise of God, we know it can't, right? Because we know God has promised us something. 2 Thessalonians 3.3 says, But the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. So God is faithful to keep his promises. <clears throat> and he establishes us. Patience doesn't get rattled when our circumstances change. Patience continues to trust in God. I think again of the Old Testament Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when threatened with the fiery furnace. They said their God was able to save them, but they also said even if he does not, they still would not bow down or compromise their convictions. This is an interesting case of trusting that God can protect, but acknowledging that he might not, 
See, trusting in God's protection is still trumped by what he has promised. If God had made it clear to these young men that they would not die in the fiery furnace, then they would have said that. We're not going to die in that furnace because God will protect us. But God hadn't promised them that. They just knew he could protect them. And so they said, our God will save us, but even if he chooses not to, we know he's able to, but even if he chooses not to, we're not going to compromise our convictions. You see in other places where people are so confident in the promises of God that they say, this is not going to happen, right? Daniel in the lion's den, he's like, I'm not, I'm not scared, because he trusted in God's provision and protection for him. I think about Job, who James mentions here in chapter 5, verse 11. James says that those who remain steadfast like Job are blessed. Job was met with unimaginable loss and hurt. And yet his trust in the Lord did not waver. He trusted in God's protection or at least in his ability to protect him. Often in our impatience, we have either lost sight of God's perfect timing or have started to doubt his protection because of our suffering. We start to experience loss or hurt or trials of some kind. Then we start to doubt that God's timing is perfect or that his protection is real. But sometimes suffering is part of God's perfect plan. Again, James references the prophets here in chapter 5, verse 10. But this reference includes suffering. It's often suffering which reveals if we're really patient or not. We can say we're patient all day long. And we can appear patient on the surface or on the front end. But when testing comes, we'll know if the patience is real. I see this in myself and with my children every day, and I fail multiple times every day. I'll think, we were just talking about this last night, that I have enough patience for the situation, uh, for the encounter, for the experience, and I find more often than not the patience being exhausted much more quickly than I could have imagined. I'm almost always wrong about how patient I think I can be. Testing or suffering from this minor scale in the everyday things like this with our kids to the major things like we see Job going through is really what proves the authenticity of our patience. And our trust in God's protection fuels this true patience, right? If I know that God uh, is going to protect me, I know that he will fulfill his promises, then my patience will grow. It's about faith and trust in what God has promised and who God is. The thing that allows us to be patient in the face of suffering is our third point this morning. Patience trusts in God's purpose. Excuse me. Patience trusts in God's purpose. When our fear starts to win out because God chooses not to protect, for whatever reason, we are left with this last foundation, God's purpose. James has referenced the suffering of Job, whose faith did not falter in the face of trials. You would think that after God chose not to protect Job from extreme loss and hurt, that he would lose faith. This is what Satan thought, right? He will turn his back on you. He will deny you. He will become disobedient. Uh, He will curse your name. This is what Satan's game plan was. And he continued to attack Job. But Job remained steadfast because he trusted that God had a purpose even in his suffering. Now he questioned, I don't know what the purpose is, but he never questioned that there was a purpose. There's a difference there. God is not offended by our questioning of what are you doing here. God is more offended by you're not doing something through this. You see the difference? 
God, I'm not sure what you're doing. I don't understand what you're doing, but my faith tells me I know you're doing something for your glory. And Job had that kind of faith. See, God is always on time, and God does not waste any time. And when I say he doesn't waste any time, I don't mean that he does things quickly. Like we say, oh, he didn't waste any time, you know, he got done quickly with that. I mean that there is not a single nanosecond that God does not use for his purposes, for his glory. So while we think all the time that things are taking too long or that something is a waste of time, we should be patiently recognizing that God has a purpose for that time, and he can redeem it for his glory. Ephesians 5.16 says we're to make the best use of our time because the days are evil, it says. This idea of redeeming our time, how can I view all the time in my life, all the seconds, minutes, weeks, months, days, whatever, for God's purposes? How can he be glorified through those moments? The best use of our time, above all, is to be used in faith. Faith in God's plans and his purposes. Plans and purposes that he has announced and that he has promised. Remember, this overarching thing here is trusting in the promises of God. We become impatient when we start to replace God's purposes and plans with our own. To think, that's really not what needs to get done here, Lord, or you're using the wrong person, or uh, you've got the wrong timeline. As Christians, though, we've surrendered our lives. If you are a believer in Jesus, you, you have surrendered your life by faith. You have at one point just said, I'm, I'm all yours. Now, the Christian life is this continual struggle of, oh, but I want to take back control of this part, right? Or I, w- I want to manage this area instead of just continuing in that posture of everything is yours. Our plans and our purposes are now the Lord's. So our preferences and the timing of our lives defer to God's. God, what is your purpose for my life? And not just that, what is your timing for your purpose in my life? Sometimes we'll get the, the plan, the play, right? And we'll try to run it in our timing. God, I really feel your direction in this, and so I'm going to just go after it. And so we say, I've got the promise of God, but I left the timing of God behind. I'm the manager of the clock. It's not how it works. God is still sovereign over the timing of his plans and purposes as well. We trust him in his timing for everything. And like the farmer mentioned in James 5, we keep at the faithful work that he has prepared for us while we wait. It's uh, reminded me of the angels who told the disciples when Jesus ascended into heaven and the the, uh, disciples stood there and watched. And two angels showed up and said, why are you staring at the sky, right? Not this guy, the sky. Why are you staring at the sky? Like He's going to come back in the same way that he came, but uh, basically referring to the fact that you've got marching orders. You have a plan. You have work to do. They stood and stared, right? Jesus has promised to come back, yes, but he's also called us to work, to live faithful lives, fruitful lives, until he comes back. So trusting and living by faith between these two truths of what God has promised and what we've been called to do until he comes back is where we find patience. And it's a patience that only God can produce in us, this fruit of the Spirit kind of patience. 
Now, you might say, uh, at the end of all this, I really have kind of just touched on these big moments, right? These big, like, the God's plan or purposes for my life kind of moments. That's where the patience is found. What about the, like, I'm waiting in the grocery store line kind of patience, right? Or the DMV kind of patience, or stuck in traffic kind of patience, the everyday mundanity of life kind of patience. And I think this is what brings us back to, again, these two major examples that James gives us, the farmer and Job, right? So for these big, tragic, I don't see the end of the tunnel of this trial or suffering in my life kind of moment, that's a Job kind of patience. God, what are you doing in this time? You're doing something. I trust it's for your purposes and for your glory, and I will remain faithful to that. But this hurts. This is unpleasurable. This is just, it's hard. Those are the Job kind of moments. But then we've got the farmer kind of moments, which I think are kind of the DMV, sitting in traffic kind of moments. You plant a seed, you wait for the rain, and you don't sit there and watch the ground. You get to work on all those things you're supposed to do. The faithful living that God has called us to. And so if it's not uh, a threat to what God has called you to do uh, and the timing that he has promised to do it in, that's where the patience comes in, in those little moments. Because in those little moments of impatience and frustration, really it's showing a lack of faith, right? A lack of trust. What am I worried that God's not going to take care of? if I don't get out of the grocery store on time, or if this person doesn't get out of the slow lane, the fast lane when they should be in the slow lane, or whatever it is. It really is evidence of I'm not trusting that God is going to take care of me in this situation, as little as that seems. But those impatiences, those frustrations, those times we boil over, those are evidence of that, a lack of faith in what God has called us to. And so again, consider the farmer and consider Job, right? Most of life is the farmer kind of stuff. We just get to work, faithful living. And every once in a while, um, there's a Job moment or a Job season of life. And we rely on the Lord on both, the farmer moments and the Job moments. But only by faith, only by faith are we going to find that kind of patience. Let's pray. God, I thank you. Um, I thank you for the truth of your word. Uh, I thank you for the examples that you've given us that, uh, that James put before us uh, of a farmer who, uh, who just plants and trusts and waits and in the meantime faithfully works on the day-to-day things of life. I don't know what all the day-to-day farmer type things are, God, but as a believer, you have given us these just day in and day out how to love our neighbor, how to love you, how to love our families. And so these farmer moments, God, we're just, we, we trust that the, the end uh, result should be fruit, uh, but we can't make the fruit grow. We can't make the, the seed sprout. We can't do any of that. And so, God, we trust in you, in your purposes, in your timing. And, God, I pray that you find us faithful as we wait on your purposes in your timing. And then, God, in the other example we have of Job, I pray, God, we, we pray that you would protect us from those kind of moments and those kind of seasons, but we know that sometimes you don't. And so in those times, God, those who are walking through those times, um, 
and don't see the light at the end of the tunnel, don't see any resolution, don't see how you uh, are working in this, God, I pray that you would just give us faith to trust that you are doing something for your glory, for your purposes, that you are uh, able to redeem the suffering that we endure, the trials that we go through. God, that we would faithfully walk through them. That while we might question uh, what is the exact purpose of our suffering, that we wouldn't question your goodness or that you have a purpose in our suffering. Help us to trust and grow in faith that our patience might be a testimony down the road to someone else or even now in the midst of our trial. only by faith that we can do these things. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.